and welcome to the second edition of the Macworld Geek Factor podcast for May 2005. I'm Saru Sparavar. Today on the show, we are going to be talking a little bit about the Newtons. For those of you who may not remember, uh, the Newton PDA, or as it was known at the time, the Newton Message Pad was the official name, was a product that was made by Apple from 1993 to 1998. And it was the, the uh, first PDA which preceded the Palm Pilot. And one of the cool things about the Newton was that unlike the Palm Pilot, which, had, which has the graffiti uh, handwriting software, the Newton was able to learn the user's handwriting. So if you used it enough, the Newton could actually translate human handwriting into text, which was kind of cool, as opposed to the way the Palm Pilot does it, which is where the human has to learn the computer handwriting. So you have to, you have, if you're going to be drawing letters into the palm, you have to draw them in a certain way, otherwise they won't be recognized. But yeah, so the Newton is a really neat little device. I actually had one of these back in, yeah, I guess it must have been around like 1996 or something. There were a few basic models of the Newton. There was the uh, Newton 100, which was the original message pad that came out in 93. And then there was the 110, 120, 130. And then there were the, the later ones were the message pad 2000 and the message pad 2100. Now, the original Newton, it was kind of bulky. Um, if you've never seen one, it was a bit, may, approximately the size of like a videotape. It didn't really fit. You couldn't like keep it in your shirt pocket like you can a palm. You know, and it worked with a stylus, and you sort of, you know, tapped around on things. It, I mean, you know, if you've used a Palm Pilot, Newtons are, were uh, were very much the same way. It used a grayscale screen uh, with a green sort of tinge to it. The Newton 130 was the first Newton that had backlighting, which meant that you could use it in the dark. Uh, it had, you know, self-powered backlighting. And the message pads 2100, 2000 and 2100 were ones that also had backlighting. Those were the ones that actually had the best memory and expandability capabilities. They had PC slots, or and the 2100 actually, I think, had two of them. Um, and some people now have put um, Wi-Fi, have written some Wi-Fi drivers so you can get a Wi-Fi PC card for the Newton and use it wirelessly, which is pretty cool. I had a Newton. I had a, a Newton, or I have a Newton, actually. Newton 110, the second model that I got, as I said, back in 96. It so happened I have a, one of my dad's friends uh, was a, is a big kind of geek, and he works for a French telecommunications company, and he was in L.A., and back in those days there was a Newton store in L.A. in uh, Westwood Village near the UCLA campus, uh, for those of you Californians out there, it was kind of neat. It was just a small store that was devoted entirely to Newton use. Um, and you could buy Newtons and buy software and buy cases and other accessories and so on. And he went in there. He came through L.A. one time and decided to buy, I don't remember if it was a 130 or a 2000 or what exactly, but he ended up giving me his old one, which was really neat. I never used it enough to have it recognize my handwriting, but I know he did. It was pretty cool. The The one problem that I had with the Newton 
was that it was uh, the screen seemed to get scratched really easily. So I don't know. I guess you were supposed to get little plastic covers. I guess it's the same sort of thing as the iPod. Is that the those those screens there get get scratched up pretty easy? But yeah, it was it was pretty cool. The Newton was a was a neat device. So anyway, so as I said, the uh, the Newton was you know a product made by Apple that only lasted about five years, and you know they sort of discontinued it in '98. It was you know losing money. It was very expensive. Apple didn't really think that it was going to go anywhere and this was a couple of year or about a year or so or two I guess before the palm came out and so I think that that you know once the palm came out people had sort of seen what these things could do so some people sort of say that Newton was you know ahead of its time in some way that it was just a bit too big and a bit too expensive for mass uh, use I guess that's how history goes one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about was just not, not just the Newton itself, but some of the things that people have been doing with Newtons and some group of people who are still using uh, Newtons today. There's a very active community of Newton users still out there who still have Newtons, still are buying Newtons, still talking about Newtons, and all that kind of thing. Uh, we've got some links up in the show notes to point you to in case you're interested in seeing what these folks are talking about. But yeah, they've um, they've made some really neat software. Uh, as I said, they, some people have built Wi-Fi drivers for them, modem drivers, etc. Some people have even written web server software, uh, and some people are actually running their Newtons as a web server. Granted, a not very big nor particularly speedy web server, but an, a web server nonetheless, which is kind of cool considering that you know the Newton itself really only had where was it I'm just looking up the the speed of it I think it only I think the original ones only had like 40 megahertz or something like that so yeah so you know these aren't particularly I mean by modern standards particularly amazing pieces of hardware but you know I, I think a lot of people really feel like they're reliable and and useful and and um you know can still really do the job you can buy Newtons these days uh, on eBay. They turn up every now and again. There's a very active Newton mailing list. Uh, again, we have a link up on the show notes um, for people who are trading Newtons, talking about Newton things, all of that kind of stuff, called Newton Talk. Uh, so you can get it on that. And um, there are some websites that, that sell them, um, you know, computer retailers and, and so forth. And uh, a lot of people, from what I was looking at, I mean, the Newton that I have, the 110, it's just, you know, I think probably is the case with most people who, who still have their Newtons is, you know, it's just some random piece of gadgetry that still just sort of sits in their desk drawer and doesn't really do anything. Um, I think that from, from what I've been able to tell, most people who want to get back into using Newtons if they don't have one already, it's recommended that they, you know, spend the extra money and go for the Newton 2000 uh, just because, or the 2100, just because they're much more expandable and you can do neat things like put Wi-Fi on them and stuff. Um, you can actually, you know, use the thing. As opposed to the other ones, I mean, they have card slots, but but I don't think the OS is, is quite advanced enough and uh, the RAM isn't big enough and, you know, not all of the older ones have backlighting and, you know, things like that. So if you're going to be, you know, investing, thinking about investing in a Newton you might want to consider some of the newer newer ones. 
There have been rumors that Apple is going to be using the Newton OS to make a new Newton, a new sort of PDA. Uh, Apple has denied this, but you know, so maybe uh, they did. They did try it once. So I don't know. Maybe with the success of the of the iPod, uh, maybe they'll try and combine it in some way. In fact, actually, I found out that the I was just reading here on Wikipedia. And again, we'll have a link up on the show notes. Uh, it says, the Apple iPod is somewhat of a descendant of the Newton in that it's a pocket-sized, grayscale, programmable device. And it says, two ex-Apple Newton developers founded Pixo, the company that created the iPod's OS. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, so we thought we would have a chat with Grant Hutchinson, who lives in Canada and still uses his Newton um, all the time and runs a web server off it, in fact. And uh, we thought we'd just play this interview that I did with him a little while ago about some of the neat things that you can do with a Newton. Grant, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you first got involved uh, with the Newton? The, uh, the, the first time I played with one, uh, we were working the trade show Macworld when the Newton was launched in Boston. And uh, my uh, uh, co-worker... Uh, splurged and bought one of the first ones there. And just playing with it, you sort of become enamored with the way it worked. I mean, it, you know, it didn't do a heck of a lot of stuff. And the, uh, the infamous handwriting recognition was pretty, you know, sub-beta at that point. But there was something intrinsically interesting about the way the interface looked and the way, you know, just the, uh, the pen-based input on it was, was something that I'd never played with before. Fast forward to about 1998, shortly before the Newton was actually canceled, I bought my first one. The Apple Developer Association was clearing out a bunch of old models, and I picked up a, a MessagePad 120 for like dirt cheap, like you know, $200 Canadian, something like that. And um, it just sort of grew from there. Um, eventually, upgraded, uh, got a real good deal on a. a uh, message pad 2100, the top of the line one uh, from a guy who I, of course, bonded with online um, through the uh, new talk mailing list. And uh, sort of from there, just kept messing with them. And, and uh, that, that's sort of how it started, anyway. And so, uh, how did you feel when the Newton was discontinued? Well, I definitely uh, a little let down. I mean, there was, um, there was a period of time there where. Uh, People were trying to rally behind it and say, "Well, you know, you can't do this to us. We've got all this uh, time and money invested in development." And um, Adam Toe, uh, one of the one of the uh, developers of Newton Software at the time, who lives in the Bay Area, uh, organized a big rally at the time uh, on the uh, Apple campus. And um, it, you know, it looked like there was a little flicker of hope that. Either the technology would get passed along to another company for continued development, or Apple would, uh, you know, maybe rethink that decision. Um, it was unfortunate, but I mean, in the time that's passed since that, I mean, you can only, uh, you know, be sad about it for so long. But I mean, the community is actually, I think, after after dipped after you know, once the technology was canceled, I mean. The community's actually grown quite a bit in the last couple of years, and um, I, I think people have gotten over the fact they don't feel as betrayed anymore because they're just 
interested in this little green piece of technology that uh, you know either makes their life a little easier or they just love mucking about with. Yeah. Well, what I know a lot of people who uh, use the Newton now say that you know it was sort of ahead of its time and that it had a lot of you know that it did a lot of neat things that that you know the stuff like the Palm Pilots and stuff didn't do uh, or couldn't do. What what is it about the Newton that that makes people want to use it? Uh, you know, it's a sort of an oversized PDA. You know, yeah. what, what what is it that draws people like you to the Newton and makes you still want to use it? There, uh, you you could ask six different people and get six different answers on that one. I mean, what what I'm still attracted to is how elegant the user interface is on it. I I, I really have a soft spot for you know really simple, clean sort of one bit graphics and uh, you know as, as much as I like using OS 10 I just find the interface a little overblown it takes up a lot you know too much room the, the interface on the Newton is very sparse you know not to the point of being unfunctional but it's it it it's very efficient right there's only just enough pixels to do what you need to do I, I can appreciate that kind of level of thought that went into the design of the, you know, the different uh, interface elements there I like the fact that the uh, the OS itself is it's it's object based and it makes it really easy for one piece of software on there to interact with another piece of software. I mean the the there's no real there's no file system in the in terms of how we think of a file system on it. Where the data is stored in what's called soups and and. It, it's a, it's an object-based method of storing this information that's accessible across anything that you're running on the uh, on the PDA. So, being able to like you know instantly access this bit from this bit, uh, you know your address book can talk to your calendar very easily and seamlessly, and the same information can appear in several places at once. Just makes it really easy to use and and to uh, build little simple scripts and stuff that can access this information. I, it, it's really sort of a tinkering environment. It's, it's really made for people who want to just sort of noodle about with it. I mean, a lot of people just use the the, the prepackaged stuff and are, you know, find it very efficient to manage their, you know, their contacts or their, their phone lists and their notes and what have you. But beyond, if you look a little deeper than that, it's actually quite an attractive uh, platform for doing you know, innovative development. And I think that's where software like the, the the web server came in, and the fact that all these people are still developing, you know, Bluetooth uh, drivers for it. You know, we have a, there's a Wi-Fi driver for it. Um, it it's, it's pretty exciting because you could still use it to communicate with all the, you know, what I would term as more modern, you know, technologies that are expected to be in the PDAs of today, right? Right. I was just going to ask you, what was the sort of? I mean, you've got. I'm just looking at your your Newton server webpage now, um, and for people listening, that's Newton dot splorp s p o l o r p dot com colon eighty eighty, um, and we'll put that up in the show notes. Um, but uh, w- what was the sort of impetus for doing that? Uh, besides just you know proving that it could be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it, the main reason I did it was because I, you know, what I do for a living is, is what I do web development and web design. 
Um, I run my own web servers out of my house. Um, it was a, it was another way to show that you know this this little tiny piece of you know basically obsolete you know abandoned technology could still serve a useful purpose. And I mean, I've done the same thing with a, you know a, a Mac two CX. I have running a web server. We um, got a B box that runs a web server. It's just it, it, it's just something that it's interesting for me to play with and just prove that this technology isn't obsolete. Um, I, I, I think back where you know there's there's always this argument about the uh, you know how large install base of you know, Windows boxes is versus the Mac. And, uh, I, there was a comment that I saw once where the, the main reason why the the Mac install base seems so much smaller is because there's so many old Macs that are still in use and, and they don't get replaced with all these new boxes adding to the numbers of new uh, machines in the tally and, and I, you know being able to take this this little green brick that was discontinued you know in 1998 and and run a web server on it just boggles people's minds. And, you know, there's there's a sort of show-off factor, I suppose. Yeah. For people out there who still might have, you know, a Newton tucked away in their desk drawer somewhere, uh, how difficult is it to set it up as a server? Well, there's... there's it's not recommended that you try it with, with all of the models. Some of the models just... The, 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 Processor speed just isn't fast enough, and there isn't enough built-in uh, uh, RAM to actually support the software properly. Um, I'd recommend. I mean, I, I know people that are running uh, the uh, the new web server on, on Emates um, and uh, MessagePad 2000s. The 2100 is really the model that you need to start with. Um, the software packages are fairly easy to install. Uh, there's about a half dozen. Uh, core software packages, and you can get them from uh, Newton personal data sharing site is npds.info, uh, which is a site that I help maintain with the developer of the, the software, and um, you can download the main packages there. That's the, the main problem with doing it is that the documentation is out of date. The original developer of the uh, Newton web server was a, a fellow named Matt Vaughn. And his original documentation is about oh five years old, and the uh, the south software itself has actually been continually developed by a by a, uh, a guy based in in France named Paul Guyot, and um, the 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 features of the software and the functions and the and the plugins for it have actually advanced far beyond the documentation. So. Uh, the, the hardest part is actually just making sure you got all your you know I's dotted and your T's crossed when after you've installed it. But uh, again, there's support within the Newton community either through the Newton talk list. Uh, there's also a mailing list specific for users of the Newton web server software, and that information is available on the npds.info site as well. Um, once you've got it set up, I mean, you just you basically you know, assign an IP address and uh, put it on a non-port 80. Uh, or a non-80 port number, uh, mainly because of all those silly uh, Windows worms and viruses out there tend to clog up its pipe if it's on port 80. But, you know, it's plug and play. How long did it take? would it take you, you know, like if I were to hand you a, a Newton right now, you know, how long would it take to set up? Um, I guess pre- 
you know, assuming that we've got the requisite a network connection in place, either through a, a Wi-Fi card or a Ethernet card of some sort, mm-hmm. I would guess 15 minutes maybe. Wow. From start to finish. The, the longest part of setting up is actually loading the software onto the new because mm-hmm. that would you have to do it through all this uh, crazy uh, you know serial based connections there, there's sort of a catch-22 thing with, with doing this kind of stuff on Newtons and there's a, a you know a stock Newton that doesn't have an Ethernet card needs to have the drivers installed on it well in order to get the drivers installed on it you need, you need a network connection well if you don't have an Ethernet card you don't have a you know uh, a very fast in, uh, uh, network connection, so you'd have to do it through serial. Well, the newer, you know, every Mac since uh, I can remember, you know, the last five years doesn't have a serial port on it. So you either have to do like a USB thing, or you have to find an older laptop that's got infrared. And it, you know, it's it's a bit of a it, there's this bootstrapping problem we call it in the community, and. Uh, that's the, that's sort of the hardest thing. Like I said, it's the long the, the the most involved process is to actually get the software on the Newton. Once it's there, you're you're rocking. Mm-hmm. But uh, part part of the solution to that, what's happened in the community is there's a uh, there's a group of people who are starting what's called a card loaner program, and what they do is they load up um, uh, PC cards that power of the Newton with all of the possible combinations of software that you might need in order to connect up to something else and they mail these cards to you on request uh, you know with uh, with the guarantee that you'll return it back to them so they can send it off to somebody else but uh, you know you pop in this card you copy all the packages over to your Newton and then you pop the card back out and you can now use the Wi-Fi you can now use the Ethernet card um, and it, it just it just makes things a little easier to set up if you you're stuck with a, a you know a, a, a desktop situation where you have no serial connection um, and you've got this new no drivers on it. That seems like a pretty ingenious solution. Going back to just well, it's, standard you know, mail. Yeah, I mean it's it it, it it speaks a bit to you know how supportive the community is still. Um, it, it's a fairly it's a fairly simple solution to a complex problem, and uh, I'd like to see it grow a little more widespread. Uh, a lot of people that are just, you know, the community is still growing. There's new people coming in, either just discovering the Newton or coming back to it after, you know, they had one six years ago and they put it in the desk drawer and popped it out and say, oh, I wonder if there's anything still going on with this. Um, it's just getting the word out that this kind of service is available, and then hopefully the people that are running the service can, you know, have the have sufficient bandwidth to be able to support the the call and the need from the community. So it's something that we're we're actively trying to get going a little more. Um, I, you know, I'd like to see it, you know, just be be something that you know, as soon as you sign up to the Newton Talk mailing list, you automatically get this email saying if you need help, here's a service available for you. Now, other than that you use on a regular basis? Uh, uh, yeah, the, the web server is like one that sits on my desk all the time here at, here at home, and it just runs. Uh, what I do with that one is I, I maintain a, a, a address book on it, which I can then access through the, the web from any web browser. Um, I try to sync it up with my, uh, my .Mac account when I can, uh, but, the, you know, it, it's just a—it's an alternative to 
me having access to .Mac or, or a laptop with my account on it. Um, I do have one that I, I keep in my briefcase as well, take that with me, which I'll take on the road. If I'm at a trade show or a conference or something, I'll take all my notes um, you know, during you know, talks and conferences on that. Um, does that that must surprise people? Yeah, <laughs> it does. You pull out this thing, and and there one like a lot of people think, oh, is that the you know is that the new PDA from Apple? And I said, no, this was discontinued you know, eight years ago. Um, what what's interesting is that um, I've taken it to a couple of, of typography conferences, and part of what I like to do with the Newton is actually convert. Uh, older bitmap fonts that were Mac based, and and have them and use them on my new. So I I'm not set with the the, you know, the stocks the stock group of like four or five system typefaces that are on there. So you find some really nice you know hand tweaked bitmap fonts on the Mac and then convert them so they work on the Newton. And I show this up type conferences and people are just blown away by the fact I can do all this like sort of you know, reasonably advanced one bit typography, you know, where there's no anti-alias type, but it's it's nice and clean. It's like uh, any of the fonts that you'd use like in Flash that are tuned and optimized for on-screen use can be converted into a Newton format. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I do on a on a normal basis with it. It's, um, it, it, it's mostly you know, calendaring and contact information and keeping all my notes from these meetings uh, in a nice portable format that I can search at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Now, um, certainly, I you know I know. Go ahead. No, no, no. You finish. Um, I, you know, I don't want that. That's what I do. I mean, that's that's really a narrow component of of what you're still able to do on the Newton. I mean, there's people on the Newton Talk list that are using them as you know they use the GPS uh, GPS. Attached to it with with maps as they're walking around tracking when they go hiking, and there's people that connect up uh, uh, older digital cameras to it and and use the built-in email functions to wirelessly email you know photographs. You know they'd use it like you'd have a camera phone, um, but then they can add notes and, and and stuff to the images before they send it. Well, that's very um, cool. Yeah. Um, for someone who maybe didn't have a Newton, who might want to get one, um, where would you point them to? Um, you could still occasionally find a really good deal on eBay. Um, there's a there's a couple other companies that are are selling them right now. Oh, J and K Sales um, is very reputable. Let's see if I can find you a, a URL for that. I could always send it to you after the after this thing too. Yeah, we can just put it up um, in the notes. Yeah. Um, there's. Oh. Uh, and what do, what are the Newton, other, what are the Newton twenty one hundreds cost nowadays? Depending on the quality, you can get one from you know thirty forty dollars US up to to five hundred still. Uh, I mean, you you can you can really shell out if you want one that's you know new in box you can still find one every once in a while um even the the well-loved ones are still fairly you know reliable uh there's a few things you have to look out for in terms of quality and and, you know how how dinged up the shell is and you know does the display work and the the is the the uh, the pen sensitivity still aligned but 
I know JK JK sells it sells quite a few uh, variations, um, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. So I mean, you're certain to find something within your within your budget. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. Thanks a lot for for speaking with us, and uh, good luck in the future, and keep us posted on any new developments. Well, I'll certainly do that. Uh, and if anybody has uh, questions about the, the Newton Talk mailing list or the Newton community in general or setting up the Newton web server, uh, you know, by all means, they can contact me and I'll, I'll supply an email address where they can get a hold of me. Great. Well, thanks so much, Grant. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's our show for May 2005. We're going to try and get another one in this month as we're getting it out early. But if not, our next show, June 2005, will be focusing on Apple case modding. All the show notes will, of course, be up on the Macworld website, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I'm Sarus Faravar. Have a great week, everybody.